This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Ashhadu an la أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول إن الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن ولا وبعض فإذا عصتك الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحديث حديث محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أيها الأخوة الكرام وأخوات السيدات السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته 
Dear brothers and sisters, uh, because of the time allotted to the, uh, the Jum'ah prayer, uh, we will do our best, inshallah, to confine our topic within the given time. <coughs> I would like to discuss or use the basis of one hadith, uh, one ayah of Quran uh, for our discussion today. And this is the ayah number 34 in Surah Al-Nisa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, That men are responsible for women. And by default, children. And then Allah He mentions why. Because men spend from their wealth to earn that position. <coughs> men spend from the wealth which they have been <coughs> given by Allah to fulfill that responsibility. I will keep my statements within the confines of a statement of a well-known scholar in the world today. His name is Sheikh Salman Auda. And Sheikh Salman, he was receiving many, many different questions and from different people about this ayah. Some of the men claim that this is a proof that men have an excellence over women. That women, men have some kind of darajat over women. That the status of a man is, better, is stronger than that of a woman. And that men are preferred more so than women. Sheikh Salman, he very dealt with this in a very, very nice way. He clarified the issue. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاسْعَلَهُ أَهْلِ ذِكْرِ Ask the scholars, ask the people of the dhikr, the Qur'an and the Sunnah. If you don't know, ask them. They will clarify for you. Sheikh Salman, he said, what does it mean that men are the protectors or the providers or kawam? Kawamuna ala al-nisaf. What is the meaning of that? He said, to answer this question, let us first look at the Arabic word that we are translating as protectors and maintainers. He said the word is kawamun, from the word kawam. The word kawam, in turn, it is an emphatic form of the word qayyim, which means a person who manages the affairs of others. A person who manages the affairs of others. In this case, a man or men who manage the affairs of women and children. The qayyim of a people is the one who governs their affairs and steers their course. 
Likewise, the qayyim of a woman is either her husband or her wali, the one who has to look after her and to ensure that her needs are met. The Shaykh continues by saying, when Allah says, men are the qawamun of women, it means, and Allah he knows best, that men are held liable for handling the affairs of women and are responsible for the women under their care. A husband, therefore, has the responsibility of taking care of his wife, his sister, his mother, his auntie, his daughter, and the wadi al-amr of the community of the Muslims is responsible for all of the women whom themselves do not have husband or who does not have direct wali. A husband therefore has the responsibility of taking care of his wife, protecting her, defending her honor, and fulfilling her needs regarding her religion and her worldly life. It does not mean as all too many men have falsely assumed that he has the right to behave obstinately towards her, to compel her, to subject her, and that he is more excellent in the sight of Allah or preferred in the sight of Allah. He says, this is an erroneous thinking which comes from the culture of the Muslims. Her status, his status, the man, as a protector and maintainer, is one of pure responsibility, one of pure liability, and not one of authority, as many men believe that his position is one of authority. And to some degree, yes, the driver has authority of the car when there are passengers or not. But in reality, once he gets in that car and cuts it on, puts his hands on the wheel, assumes the responsibility of the driver of the, and the liability of the driver, responsibility and liability is greater than authority. <coughs> he asked the question, why does Islam make men the protectors and maintainers of women? Because of the remaining part of the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, because of what Allah has preferred one with over the other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has certainly given to man the propensity of his physical capabilities, which in most cases, not all cases, because today there are some women who can lift weights, there are some women who is in the army and they in the police force and they are soldiers. And uh, you know, brothers, that these kinds of women don't get it twisted. Don't think to yourself that maybe somehow or another you're a man and that you have some kind of authority over that kind of woman. No, it is not true. If a woman goes into the gym, she learns karate. She's a policewoman, she has the pistol. She's in the, in the, she's a correction officer, or she's a construction worker, whatever she had chosen to do, and she gears herself up for that job, you may find in many cases a surprise. 
that she is stronger than you. And when we look at it from a psychological point of view, a physiological point of view, psychologically, women are stronger than men. Because if a man, somehow, with science and medicine today, he chose to have a sexual change and he got a womb, see if he can have a baby. See if he has the psychology to have a baby. No, he will die. But women have babies and babies and babies. Then they raise babies and they raise men. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give them a different kind of strength. So the verse gives us two reasons why men are given this burden. Because of what Allah has preferred one over the other and because of what they spend to support them from their wealth. Sheikh Salman, he gives many statements. And because of the time, I will not burden you. But you can go to Islam today. This is the, the, the official website of Sheikh uh, Salman Auda. Uh, and I selected him because uh, among the scholars in the world today, he is well-renowned all over the world. Secondly, his knowledge of the Arabic language and his knowledge of the English language is mumtaz. That means nothing gets lost in the translation. The message of Allah Sallallahu said, nothing in this world is as valuable as a pious woman. Nothing. He didn't say a good man, pious man. What did he say? Pious woman. Imra'atun Saliha. In his khutbatun wida'ah, in his final sermon, the last sermon of the Prophet Sallallahu in his life. Among the other things he mentioned, see what he said. He said, treat women kindly. They are in your hands as a liability and a responsibility. You have no greater obligation than that. You have rights over them, and they have rights over you. You will find this in the uh, collection of a hadith by Imam Tulmin. Abdullah ibn Amr said, the messenger of Allah said, the whole world is a provision, and the very best object of benefit of the whole world is a pious woman. The message of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to say the best speech is the speech of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and the best guidance is the guidance of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we are given something from the Qur'an and we are given something from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as a basis for our comments. <clears throat> I'd like to summarize a few things. One, it is our Men, responsibility to provide, protect, and educate women. It is not the responsibility of the American taxpayer in the form of welfare and charity to support Muslim women and their children. 
Number three, each brother, each man should set aside a portion of his wealth to ensure that Muslim women and children have their provision. Why? Especially in America and the Western world because nobody is collecting from zakat. No, Muslims not paying zakat. Maybe you pay, you pay zakat down low, on the low low they call it. Maybe you computing your own zakat. Maybe you sending your zakat. But this is haram. According to Sharia, you have no right to collect your own zakat and distribute your own zakat. Not zakatul mal. No. You have to compute your zakat, give that computation to the wali al-amr, the amir, the imam. Pay your zakat to him, and if he thinks that you, you are inaccurate, he has a right to do what? To audit. And once he audits, he finds out you are inaccurate, he can demand from you what that audit has determined. But since Muslims in America, 8 million Muslims, this means at least 3.5 million men. And this means what? At least 1.5 million men who are making on an average of $30,000 a year. Thirty. $1,000 a year is the average salary that Muslim men and women are making in America. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that 1.5 million men, men who earn 30000 a year, this is $30 billion. So why do our sisters why do they have to beg to take care of a homeless shelter in Baltimore? Why do we have to raise funds? Why do we have to do a dinner? Why do the sisters have to beg? You brothers are making money. And it's our obligation in every city where Muslims live to find out. How many of Muslim sisters and their children are in shelters? How many Muslim sisters are homeless? How many Muslim sisters and their children are victims of social disadvantage? And whose responsibility is it to relieve them? We don't send them to the welfare. We take care of our women ourselves. Real men take care of their women. Each man, each brother, should set aside a portion of his wealth. 500 or 1,000 and give it to the Imam. If you don't trust the Imam, you shouldn't pray behind him. If you don't trust him, why are you praying behind him? Why are you using him if you don't trust him? And if you trust him, give the hop that is due to the sisters to the Imam and the Imam will deliver that hop where it should go. Lastly, I haven't been in Baltimore for about uh, a year or two. But the last time I checked, there were about 24 massages in the greater Baltimore area. Maybe there's more. Each one of those masjids could be a musalla or some built from the ground. Some have 150 people on Jumu'ah, others have 2,000. 
<coughs> Therefore, the same thing applies to the, to the masjids as applies to the men. Every masjid should set aside a portion of their income to do what? To relieve this responsibility regarding women and children. So, let's just say 20 masjids. If 20 masjids gave a year, 5,000 for women and children, so they don't have to live in shelters, they don't have to be homeless, they don't have to beg, they don't have to be subject to dishonor. 20 masjids, 5,000, this is $100,000 a year. I think that would at least supplement the work of a homeless shelter that has been set up specifically for Muslim women and their children. And we, they would not have to pay. Brothers and sisters, uh, that is the main portion of what I have to say. And uh, in the second part of the, uh, the, the khutbah, inshallah, uh, we'll try to summarize. الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن ولا وضع After traveling around the world by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and visiting about 75 countries and at least 38 of those countries or 41 of those countries Muslim countries I have to say of course we rely, or we have at least for the last uh, 30 years or so, we rely upon scholars and students of knowledge that come from the Muslim world to America to help us, to assist us, and to advise us. And may Allah SWT grant them ajr on their mizan on their judgment. However, <clears throat> When Muslims visit the Muslim world, because there is no Islamic world, when Muslims visit the Muslim world, you'll find that there are more women begging than men. This is obviously unethical. This is obviously un-Islamic. Secondly, in the Muslim world, there's no welfare. Not as we understand it here. Institutionalized charity that takes care of the home, clothes, food, the medicine, the education, the general welfare, and safety of women and children. In the Muslim world, this is something very, very rare. Institutionalized. Therefore, we Muslims, although the Quran is what it is, and the Sunnah is what it is, we should not look to the Muslim world for that example. Because if that example was there, the people would come here, get on their feet, five years, ten years, and what would they do? They would go back to the Muslim world. But the fact is, the statistics of the Department of Immigration says less than 2% of all 
Muslims that come to this country, less than 2% leave and go back. That means there must be something in America that keeps them here. So let us be fair. That there is something that this country has given to us by way of an example. One man said, America is like a Muslim country without Muslims. And the Muslim world is Muslims without a Muslim country. I don't know how accurate that might be. But I'd like to summarize by saying that the imams of the communities on the day of judgment, Allah is going to ask them why they are not addressing this issue. Especially in the inner cities itself, because we don't find any homeless women and their children. Very rare to find them in the suburbs. Where are they? The inner city, the ghetto. And most of the Muslims who came from wherever they came from, they arrived in the ghetto first. That's where they started off. Within five or ten years, they got themselves together, they got stabilized, and they moved out. But you shouldn't forget where you stopped off. And today, uh, we came here today, we're here this weekend, to help support the Muntahina Women's Shelter. We have done this for a number of years. And we will continue to do that by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa according to our ability. And we ask you brothers to be there. Is it tomorrow night, Chef? We ask you to be there. Physically. Because if all the men who is concerned about their wives, their mothers, their daughters, their sisters, their aunties, if you're concerned about them, you should be there. And when you come, don't come to eat. Bring an envelope, bring a check that represents your family. Because that's why we're here. And we're not begging you, we're advising you. We don't have to beg. And the sisters should not have to beg. All the men who know that these shelters are there, and you have been told, you need to get there early. And you need to bring your check or your plastic card or your cash money and bring your wife bring your children bring your mom bring your daughters so your women who are stable can see the condition of our sisters and they can write their checks bring their cards and bring their money that's why we're here so let's not get sophisticated don't take what I have here to say, you know, into some tricky, tricky type conversation. And if you don't like what I got to say, because I talk too loud, talk too strong, or you feel like I'm talking to you, so what? Medicine is medicine. You like it, you don't like it. When you need it, you will take it. It doesn't matter who said it. It is a fact. And our, our sisters... They are appealing to you. And that is my responsibility. And that is why 
I have selected this topic today. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وفينا دارنا ربنا آتنا من الدنيا رحمة وحيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا ربنا إننا آمنا فاغفرنا ذنوبنا وقينا دارنا ربنا آمنا فاغفرنا ورحمنا وأنت خير الرحمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين يا الله غفور رحيم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا حبنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة عأيون وجعلنا للمتقين إماما لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين يا الله غفور رحيم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين إباد الله إن الله يعمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذو الكربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنقر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون وذكر الله تعالى وأعلى وأولى وأعز وجد وجم وحم وأكبر وأكبر السلام خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن 
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله I'm also here uh, representing the Prophet's Life Foundation, uh, which is a non-for-profit uh, corporation, which we have been doing human service work for the past 20 years. Along with some of the other projects that we're doing, I just want to summarize for you. We just established with, uh, with uh, some other brothers uh, a masjid in Tijuana, Mexico, which is just 30 miles from where our office is at now in San Diego. And just to let you know, the Mexicans who are accepting Islam, generally most of them work for $5 a day. They work 10 hours a day, six days a week, for $5 a day. So they don't have money to support a mosque. But we, we go right now, most of us will go right now and eat a lunch that costs 15 or $20. No problem. And we won't even eat it all. Just throw some more. Because we're Americans. We're Muslims, but we are Americans. So one, brothers, uh, we've been raising for the last three months uh, $36,000, trying to raise 36000 to pay for that masjid for one year. That will take care of the imam, that will take care of the masjid, the utilities, uh, the dawah work, 36000 If anybody here is a businessman and he wants to get that reward, on an average, 19 to 21 people are accepting Islam every month in Tijuana, Mexico. You'll get the reward. Whether you give 100 or you give 1000 this one. Secondly, we established a masjid along with another group of brothers and sisters in Seattle where we just moved from. It's called the Hope Project. We bought a church. They asked for 1.5 million. We negotiated with them. We brought it down to 850,000. And we negotiated so that uh, the brothers could buy the masjid and pay for it over a period of seven years. So now, alhamdulillah, we are in that building. It's a big church and a big school sitting on a big piece of property. The Muslims are in there now. But guess what? We have 7,000 square feet. The masjid downstairs, the musalla upstairs for the sisters, 7,000 square feet. And right now, the brothers, uh, we are praying on just some uh, scattered brothers. So if someone wants to get the reward of every sajda made in that masjid, on an average, you can just say maybe $10 a square foot. So 10 times 7,000 is how much? 70,000. If anybody would like to get this reward, maybe we will get it for less than that because we're negotiating with some brothers. They own in North Carolina a, uh, a mill. 
maybe we'll get it for much less. But I doubt if we'll ever get it for less than thirty-five or forty thousand. If somebody wants to get that reward of that masjid, the rugs, if somebody wants to get the reward of that masjid in Mexico, Tijuana, Mexico, then that's what these envelopes are for. Secondly, since we're here to support the Muntahina project, a portion of whatever we collect today, since some of the brothers may not be there tomorrow, we will give a portion of it inshallah to the, to the, to the project here for the system. We want to thank the Imam, inshallah, for allowing us to come and to give the khutbah. We want to thank the jama'ah uh, for being patient and receiving us. And we want to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us another jum'ah and uh, a, a day on this earth. Uh, thank you very much for listening to me. Uh, brothers, please, uh, uh, whatever you want to put in that envelope, put it in now and hand it uh, uh, to the sister in the back, inshallah. If you do not, jazakallah khayr shaykhna, Allah yustali. If you do not have cash today, but you got plastic cards, because we're moving towards a cashless society. No problem. We brought the ATM to you. My wife, she has the ATM machines in the back. Okay? So, cash, and those of you who have a check, you can write the check either to the masjid, or you can write it to the Purpose of Life Foundation. May Allah reward all of you. We will see you in Inshallah tomorrow. Barakallahikum. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik wa nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta wa nashadu 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 wa nashadu